0: You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. This episode brought to you by our friends at Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Brian Peacock here with Matt Williamson at BDPeacock on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. And joining us today, a very special guest, host of Locked on Titans. You can find him on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. Tyler Rowland has uh, been such a huge week for the Titans with the addition of... Julio Jones, a massive piece added to that division, really changes things for the Titans offense, the whole team. And Matt and I talking, Tyler, about this Titans team. We're like, oh, shoot, do we have to put the Titans ahead of the Colts? Do, do, Do the Colts hold them off? Was it already the Titans that should be the favorite in this division? Just big picture when this trade went down, Tyler, what were your thoughts on The addition of Julio Jones, what it does to the team as a whole, and what you paid to get him. Did, Did you feel like that was a good deal for the Titans overall?
0: Yeah, overall, I mean, if we're going to paint with a broad brush, I think absolutely is a great deal for the Titans, not only based on what they had to give up to get him, but the positional need at the moment in time prior to the trade. The Titans, you could argue, had maybe one of the worst group of pass catchers in the NFL, definitely in the bottom tier. So the need combined with giving up essentially a, a, a second round pick for Julio Jones, along with. People talk about his contract at his age, but with what what we're expected to see with the cap in the next two years, I don't think that Julio Jones is eleven and a half million dollars in twenty-two and twenty-three is is too astronomical of a price to pay, especially when some Titans fans wanted Corey Davis back. I don't see how you could uh argue that, you know, Julio Jones at eleven and a half million the next two years is too much if you were on that train. But other than that, you take a look at all of the resources that they allocated to the defensive side of the ball, you get Nico Autry, you get Bud Dupree, you get Janoris Jenkins, you draft Caleb Farley, you draft Elijah Molden, Monty Rice. I mean, they put a ton of their capital towards the defensive side of the ball because that has to be fixed. The Titans' offense was surely good enough the last two years to win a Super Bowl. It was the defense that was lagging behind. So you take a look at all the resources they put there, and you got to be happy with that. But not bringing back Corey Davis and John New Smith as pass catchers, Definitely made you think that the offense was going to take a little bit of a step back. Now, from my opinion, the Titans were still set before the Julio Jones trade to be 10-7. and I figured they'd be competing for the division title. Still saw them being able to pull that out. But now you add Julio Jones in and you give the Tennessee Titans offense a chance to be just as good as it was last year, which definitely wasn't possible prior to the trade. And then with the, the new resources on defense, if you see even a modicum of improvement there to league average, just not, you know, bottom tier in the NFL, bottom five defense, it's just a league average defense combined with the Titans offense from the past two years, you might have yourself a Super Bowl winning team. So I know it's kind of silly to do record predictions too, Early on, but I think it gave the Titans a chance to go from around ten and seven to twelve and five. Host a playoff game and then potentially win a Super Bowl. I think this does move them over the cliff. I guess. Of before, I didn't think they had a real shot at a Super Bowl. Now, I think that they do.
2: I love the point you made about the cap going up and you know Julio's money not really being that of a much of a speed bump. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great way of looking at it, and it's one hundred percent true. Um, I have a lot of questions, in-depth questions I want to get to, but real quick, just pre-trade, you kind of alluded to this. How worried were you about the pass catching core before Julio arrived?
0: Well, I I think you had to be tremendously concerned. Yeah. I, I don't think that I don't think that anybody expected, see, for me it's kind of tough. I have to make sure that I provide context because I was on board with not having John New Smith and Corey Davis return for the projected price tag that I had on them, which they were right around there, you know, both looking at about 12 million uh, average per year. I didn't think that either of those players were game changers while being very solid players in the NFL. I don't think that any of them were game changers and worth the price tag that they got this all season. But I was only okay with losing them with the thought in mind that the Titans would follow that up with a relatively high draft pick. I, I like the move of adding Josh Reynolds, $1.75 yeah. on the cap. I-, I think he didn't have as much opportunity as he could have had behind usually three good wide receivers in Los Angeles. But I don't think he's a bona fide number two like a Corey Davis. So I like that move, and I'm thinking – they're going to follow it up with a pretty high draft pick at pass catcher, whether it be one of the good tight ends. I liked Hunter Long from Boston Boston College, who could have been a, a good fit. Daimi Brown. You know, I wasn't expecting too much, I thought, going out and getting one of the top flight guys, even in the second round. But in the draft, you saw, I, I believe it was pick 81, 82, and 83 Three picks right in front of the Titans at 85. You saw Hunter Long, Tommy Tremble, and Daimi Brown go off the board. And I think the Titans got caught flat-footed there, thinking they would get one of those three guys, and they didn't. And they scrambled. They dr- traded three picks, move up for Des Fitzpatrick. You have Des Fitzpatrick in the fourth round, and then Josh Reynolds. I don't think that that fills the gap of losing Corey Davis and losing Jonu Smith. You add in behind A.J. Brown and Josh Reynolds, Cam Batson, Nick Westbrook-Akina. Marcus Johnson, Chester Rogers, maybe a Mason Kinsey as an undrafted free agent from last year. Do you guys know who any of these people are? Maybe you guys because you're <laughs> really? so tapped in. I cannot, blame, I cannot blame any, even the most tapped in NFL minds for not really knowing what's going on there. So the Titans were in a dire spot, whether the fan base wanted to believe it or not. You're always smelling your own salts a little bit more than other fan bases. So I get that, but I think this was a necessary move and the Titans not paying a first round pick based on what they had before that I think that's a boon for John Robinson and the Titan staff
1: I got to be honest though I did think you were making some of those names up when you're rattling off those <laughs> it, players. Rates, yeah, Racy it was a Mc- random
0: name generator <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Racy McMath is a good one too that's definitely something that looks like it got generated on a
0: what on a, a video name game. what yeah. a name
1: fantastic stuff uh I, I want to go back to something you said about Corey Davis and, and bringing in Julio because I look at it as sort of one move and letting Corey Davis go to get big money makes perfect sense when you have a number 1 and a young really good receiver like AJ Brown there and obviously you have to you have to make those decisions make have those conversations with someone like Julio Jones becomes available and it's not mm-hmm. long term money you know it's one second round pick that was put into someone like Julio Jones so in the short term that makes sense and you're not you know 4 years off with this huge cap hit for a player that maybe right. won't be worth it at some point. And I really like Corey Davis. I love Corey Davis coming mm-hmm. out of the draft by yeah. the way. I love that He's John a good player. had the guts to go draft him as high as he did. But when you put those mm-hmm. things together, what do you know what the comp picks look like they're going to be gained from guys like John U. Smith and, and Corey Davis? So does it become, Signed by
2: Dupree, that hurts. So.
1: Yeah. Does it become something like where you end up giving up a second but you gain Julio and you get back a third for Corey Davis because then that trade even looks better for Julio.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's up in the air right now and and I will default. You see a lot of guys on Twitter, on social media who do a great job of kind of going through the comp pick machinations to see what they would be. I've seen two different versions. There's one that I'm leaning towards that I think is more realistic where it has the Titans getting a fourth round pick and ultimately being rewarded for the John Smith contract. You're going to see one of John Smith and Corey Davis canceled out by Bud Dupree. You're going to see, um, Danico Autry hit the Titans as well. But the Titans also lost Desmond King at cornerback to the Houston Texans for $3.5 million. And they also, this was a surprise to me, lost Daquan Jones to the Carolina Panthers for $4 million. So you're going to see... Uh, the Titans get rewarded for most likely Jonu Smith as a fourth-round pick where Bud Dupree cancels out Corey Davis, and then the other smaller deals cancel each other out, leaving one of Jonu Smith and Corey Davis. I've seen uh, kind of a, a projection where Corey Davis is the one who gets rewarded for the Titans, and that would net them a third. But right now, based on what I believe and, and what I'm trusting, I think the Titans do end up with a fourth-round comp pick getting back ultimately for Jonu Smith going to New England. And the, I love seeing the Titans being in a position roster-wise where they're starting to get comp picks back. That's a sign of good organizations and well-run organizations in the NFL. So now that the Titans are consistently getting comp picks year after year right in those mid-rounds, it just increases the likelihood of getting one of those solid, valuable starters right there in those mid-rounds that are so important to building a championship roster. So, yeah, I do believe that the Titans are going to ultimately get a fourth-round pick. That's why I was on board when the Julio talk started, I call it Julio Watch 2021 on the Locked On Titans podcast, but when that all started, I said the second round pick because that's the baseline, and then a fourth round pick because the Titans are probably going to get a comp pick back, and it turns out the fourth round pick is kind of compensatory based, there's some conditions on there, so it looks like the Titans were willing to do that because they thought they were getting one of those comp picks back to replace that second round pick in next year's draft.
1: More on the new look Titans, what to expect in the AFC South, coming up with Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans.
2: Let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all that action at Bet Online. Get the latest news, odds, information, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL even all your UFC MMA action they got so much going on here so before the next pitch head over to bet online on your laptop or your mobile device it's super easy and check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses and contest information don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs for the playoffs as well uh, head to the website and or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use our promo code locked on all one word, all caps, locked on. That's 50% welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Tennessee has a new offense coordinator, which frankly scares me, but I think this move helps. Very different pass catchers. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure our audience realizes this. I, I've been being I've been personnel groupings it up lately. I've been geeking out on personnel groupings on both sides of the, I- of the field. And the Titans, by NFL standards for today only played 11 personnel 38% of the time, which is mm-hmm. very, very low. One tight end, one running back. They were very high in 12 personnel with, you know, you know Henry and two or two tight ends. They were also very high in 13 personnel with, you mm-hmm. know, three tight ends on the field with Henry. And the more we sit here and chat, the more I think that's going to change. Yes. Okay.
0: Yeah, I absolutely think that it has to change. And that's something that I've actually been talking about uh, on my Thursday show. I kind of did a deep dive statistically and schematically into the addition of Julio Jones. And uh, it's a combination. One, you look at the Titans personnel and how that's going to change, how their personnel groupings out on the field look. And then you also look at Todd Downing, the new offensive coordinator, as you mentioned. He's obviously different than Arthur Smith. Now, he would be foolish to go away from the foundation that first Matt LaFleur and then Arthur Smith built in terms of the outside zone scheme. I think he's going to keep that. But uh, where I think he can find a way to make things work personnel-wise, one thing that I noticed just, you know, watching film throughout the all season, just, you know, the things us football nerds like to do, uh, I really liked how Sean McVay in Los Angeles utilizes 11 personnel but creates 12 personnel looks. Uh, You guys have an advanced football audience, so, of course, you know, 12 personnel, two tight ends. Um, you look at 11 personnel, three wide receivers, but what they were doing is they were using Cooper Cup because he's physical, he's willing to dig his nose in there and block in the zone scheme. They're using him as a as a pseudo tight end, basically, motioning him into the formation, using him as a wing back behind the tight end if you're stacking both to one side. So the Titans can utilize 11 personnel with three wide receivers out there, and because of the physicality and the size of the wide receivers, they have A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, and Josh Reynolds especially becomes yeah. even more more valuable. Now they can use Josh Reynolds as a pseudo tight end and use that 11 personnel look to create 12 personnel. If you want to take it a step further, Julio Jones, I wouldn't, pin him as the number one guy to do it just because of age and want to keep him healthy, but A.J. Brown, if you want to use 12 personnel and get Ferkser and Swaim out there, Swame's a solid blocker as a role player, and then you can use A.J. Brown in motion over and stack three guys to one side with A.J. Brown just off the line of scrimmage, maybe splitting the tight ends. Now, because of the physicality and the size of the wide receivers, you can get some of the pluses of those heavy tight end sets, those multi tight end sets, 13 and 12, but do it out of 11, which creates even more advantages and speaking to Todd Downing I'm excited for what he could add I know that there were some struggles during his 2017 season with Oakland but they had one of the most efficient RPO passing games in the NFL that year based on yards per attempt in the RPO Uh, they also were great at creating matchups they would isolate tight ends to one side of the formation and while the Titans don't really have a tight end that I would want to isolate over and over first good over the middle of the field but he's not that kind of guy you can create isolated matchups. For A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, the same as you would with a tight end. So I think that I'm excited for what Todd Downing can add. As long as he keeps the foundation of what Arthur Smith has, he can utilize the physicality of the wide receivers to mirror some of those personnel groupings while using 11, and then also add in some of the wrinkles that he showed during his time in Oakland when he was kind of early on in that RPO game. And that can add new wrinkles to the Titans' offense. And they have the run game, they have the play action pass. That's the change up in fastball. We need to add the slider for when teams pressure the line of scrimmage, bring those zero blitzes and make you win one-on-one, create more screen game, create more RPO game. So Todd Downing, I think, can take this Titans offense to the next level, utilizing some of the things that you were bringing up.
1: do want to get to the defensive side of the ball here, but we've got to talk offensive line first and obviously mm-hmm. keeping your quarterback upright so he can hit all of those weapons at receiver and also creating holes for Derrick Henry. And I know he creates a lot. By himself, Uh, one of my favorite stats that I saw recently was that Derrick Henry has more rushing yards after contact the past two years than any other running back has total rushing yards, which (laughs) sort of blows me away. Number one
0: and number two. Derrick Henry's number one. Number two is Derrick Henry after contact. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) That is
1: just straight up nuts. But um, you still got to protect your quarterback. And, you know, the more Mm -hmm. holes, the better for Derrick Henry. I really liked the pick of Dylan Raiden's second round offensive tackle out of North Dakota State. Thought that was a nice value there, especially after, you know, the big whiff of Isaiah Wilson in the first round the year prior. Mm -hmm. Uh, How does the offensive line look? How do you see that taking shape this year?
0: Well, I think the offensive line is going to be in, in great shape. you got to give a lot of credit to Keith Carter, the offensive line coach for the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Really got that group together. The Titans used their second and third left tackle for a majority of the season last year after Taylor Lewan tore his ACL in week seven of the season, week six of the season against the Houston Texans. So a lot of credit to Keith Carter. Not only was he able to get the Titans in the position that they were in using a second string and third string left tackle, but the development of right guard Nate Davis, who is going to be in his third year this year. That's a guy you got to watch for all pro. He got a couple of votes for the Pro Bowl last year, I do believe, but he's a guy who's really ascending and, and taking a top spot in the league as an interior offensive lineman. The Titans system just allows the group to play so well together. There's so much continuity on the Titans' offensive line outside of that right tackle spot that they kind of keep rolling through. So getting Taylor LeWan back this year, hopefully he's able to stay healthy. Roger Saffold's one of the top guards. Ben Jones is an underrated center. I just mentioned Nate. Davis. So I really like what the Titans have on the offensive line. I expect Dylan Raidens to be the starting right tackle for the majority of the season, if not right at the beginning. But one thing that I have to bring up is in 2016, the Titans drafted Jack Conklin and in his rookie year, he made all pro. Now, Conklin's a great player, and he turned into an all-pro on his own right. But that year, the Titans used a lot of help with the tight end to help Conklin out. And I think it made him look a little bit better than maybe he played his rookie season. So I would expect the Titans to do a little bit of that. And now that you have two guys on the outside that can consistently beat their man one-on-one, it allows you to put a little bit more help on the offensive line. So I feel good about where the offensive line is because of the continuity, what the Titans can do now. And that should help them continue the offensive system that they've already laid out.
2: Where do you rank Ryan Tannehill? I mean, if you could be as objective as possible, is he in the five to ten overall, ten to fifteen neighborhood? You know, border yeah. on that fence. I mean, it's standalone without great help from the offense and scheme. Where do you think Tannehill is as a as a quarterback, right
0: down the league? Well, I think there are a few realities that we have to use as, you know, uh, to preface the conversation. Number one, there are about five elite quarterbacks in the NFL that are going to be elite every single week. I think it's Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, and Watson. Outside of those guys, you're going to get variability. Um, and. Maybe Allen
2: gets in that group or, you know, maybe he could
0: take a step with consistency. But outside of that group, yeah, I have Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Ryan Tannehill, Matthew Stafford, uh, a healthy Dak Prescott. I'm a little higher on him than I think some are. But uh, for me, I have Ryan Tannehill at number eight is where I ultimately put him. And like I said, there's variability. He could be an 11 on certain days. He could be number six on certain days. So outside of that top five, it can go up and down. But I had Ryan Tannehill as a solid eight behind Josh Allen and then Matthew Stafford. So that's ultimately where I land there. The reality, the other reality outside of that, the elite five is that Ryan Tannehill has played statistically like a top five quarterback in the NFL the last two years, but we have to give enough credit to the system to Derrick Henry and understand that it all works together. That's that's why football is the best sport in the world is because it all works perfectly together. No one player can be too dominant. So I got to give the credit. And because of the credit that I give to the system around him and the players around him, I drop him back to about number eight. But the reality is you can win a Super Bowl with a top 10 quarterback. You don't have to have one of those top elite guys. You you can win with a good Defense, a good offensive cast around them, playing smart football. Vrabel's a very smart game coach as well, so that helps a lot. So uh, the question becomes, how high do you have Tannehill? But the reality is, can you win a Super Bowl with Tannehill regardless of where you rank him? And I believe that you can.
1: Just got back a little vacation from Lake Tahoe, and guess what? Build bars came in handy multiple times. Late night, needed a little something, everything's closed. Grab a build bar. Early morning, breakfast on the run. Grab a built bar right before the back nine. Playing oh, beautiful golf courses in Lake Tahoe, and need a little something. Back nine, don't want to reach for some gnarly meal. Just grab a little built bar. You're on your way. Protein, 17 grams of protein to be exact. Only 130 calories and only four grams of sugar in most built bars, and only four grams of net carbs. Even good for a keto. Diet, coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter, which is my favorite, double chocolate, salted caramel, and there's new flavors all the time like the grasshopper, which was fantastic is what I had on the golf course in Lake Tahoe. So wherever you are on vacation, at home, need a snack, go to BuiltBar.com, get yourself 15% off with promo code LOCKED15, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKED15. However in-depth with repairs you can and would like to get at home with your vehicle, rockauto.com allows you to do so. Or just the staples, the things that everybody needs. Jumper cables. Do you not have jumper cables in your car? Go get some at rockauto.com. Engine parts, brake parts, oil, whatever you need, rockauto.com has it. And they have reliably low prices. Such an amazing selection. Go to rockauto.com. You will be blown away by The selection they have on any vehicle you could imagine. I'm scrolling rockauto.com. It goes all the way down to 1909 Model Ts. Yes, they have parts for that. It's crazy. So fix up that old car. Keep your new car running smooth. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car or truck will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Tyler, last one on the offensive side of the ball. What is an Anthony Furkser? and is he somebody that you would draft on your fantasy football team? Can he block? What kind of statistical production do you expect out of him as a tight end? I assume it goes down now that you've added Julio Jones.
0: Well, the the expectation of what I would, I guess the expectation of the production is going to go down, yes, but I do think that it will be, an increase on what we've seen from Anthony Ferkser in previous years, at least last year, he had 39 catches for 387 yards and a touchdown. I expect that to go around 500 yards, probably about 45 catches, a couple extra touchdowns. I think he'll get targeted in the red zone, but, Here's the reality with Anthony Ferguson. He's not going to be able to be out there and consistently block for you against outside linebackers, against defensive ends in the NFL. He's just not. In my opinion, he's more of a glorified slot wide receiver where he can beat linebackers and beat safeties over the middle and get open, intelligent players, sit in the holes of the zone, things like that. So that is probably the last big question I have about the Titans roster right now is the tight end position. Now he's going to be flanked and his battery man is going to be Jeff- Jeff Swame. He's more of your traditional inline tight end, big bodied, will block, can do a little bit. But that's one of the biggest questions about the Titans offense this year. I'm glad you brought it up is Ferkser is the classic pass catching tight end. Swame is your classic hard-nose blocking tight end. How do the Titans not tip their hand by having one or the other out on the field? And that's why some of these guys who get whispered about Zach Ertz, David Njoku, maybe OJ Howard if he's healthy, maybe Evan Ingram if The Giants really want to dive into the Kyle Rudolph experience and don't believe in Evan Ingram. There are are some names that you hear whispers about. Would the Titans be able to sacrifice a little bit more in terms of the cap space, a little bit more in terms of a draft pick, and go out and get one of these guys to kind of solidify the position so that they don't have to tip their hand? That's something we'll have to see going forward as these decisions get made about rosters as we get closer to training camp. But right now, that's the biggest question on the roster Biggest question on the offense for certain, but I think the Titans with the addition of Julio Jones can stem that tide and not let it ruin a good season.
2: Yeah, Brian mentioned the defense, and I've been saying this really since free agency started. We all know the Titans were a bad pass rushing team last year, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty clear that they wanted to just totally overhaul the pass defense.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it's obvious from the moves that were made. You you cut both your starting cornerbacks. I mean, three of the Titans' starting four secondary members were cut early yeah, right, on right. in the process. Adoree Jackson, Malcolm Butler, Kenny Vaccaro at safety, all of them cut. So that right there is an answer. They don't have to tell us what they thought of the secondary play last year. They don't have to tell us of what they thought about how the the resources. I say this all the time. I'm sure the people uh, who listen to my show every it. day. Yeah, allocation of resources is really the big key to roster building. And for me, they showed us, hey, we need to put more resources up front. We need to get younger in the back end. And that's exactly what they did, handing off the starting safety role to Amani Hooker. I'm very high on Amani Hooker. I think he's going to do a great job for the Titans, played better than Kenny Vaccaro down the stretch. I like what they did at cornerback. You get a – it's obvious, too, that the Titans want to play more press man coverage. Janoris Jenkins has been doing that in this league for a decade now. He's a pro. He's not a a stud anymore. He's not a pro bowler, but he's just a solid vet you can count on. Caleb Farley, if the back is right, could be a top 10 talent in the league. And Elijah Molden in the middle rounds, very intelligent player, going to do well in the slot to go along with Christian Fulton from last year. So they got a lot younger in the secondary. And then Bud Dupree, Danico Autry up front. I like what they did on defense, but – There has to be a big question about the coaching staff on defense and whether Mike Vrabel can even lead a competent defense. So my questions don't just stem to the roster, despite it's very obvious that John Robinson and Mike Vrabel thought the roster on defense was the problem last year and not the coaching. We're going to find out this year.
1: I have more questions about uh, the cornerback position. One on Caleb Farley, sure. What your thoughts are there? If there's any indication on whether he will actually be ready to start the season and start training camp, as as that was the hope that he would be ready to go. And now, you know, his athleticism is not at all the thing that's in question with him as a prospect in the NFL. But also with Adoree Jackson, can you go into a little bit more detail about what went on with Adoree Jackson? I know he had a little bit of a knee injury. It seems like he's too good of a player to just be released. That that was one of the the more surprising things that happened this offseason, you know, a younger player to be released like that that you'd think would be entering his prime NFL career. So, to just throw him out and then draft a player who's, you know, just as injured, if not more injured in Caleb mm-hmm. Farley in the first round. What are your thoughts there on that that swap at cornerback?
0: Well, I think here's one thing that you think about. It, it. I like what you did there. Let's make it a direct comparison. You have injury concerns about a player with elite athleticism at the position. Adoree Jackson's five foot eleven, one hundred and eighty five pounds. Caleb Farley's about six foot two. So you're getting a bigger athlete who's about just as big. Also, Adoree Jackson, you saw the contract he got from the Giants, which I think is a miscalculation, mm. even if Adoree plays well. I got to um, stop
2: you real quick. Why wouldn't the Giants just send a seventh round pick to the Titans and inherit a better contract?
0: One year and and just <laughs> right? get him for the last year of his deal, get to look at him, see if he stays healthy, to go out and give him the three-year deal right off the jump. I think, uh, again, like I said, miscalculation. If I'm wrong on that, I'll be wrong. But Caleb Farley is the bigger athlete who gives you similar athleticism. If they both have injury concerns, now you're going to get Caleb Farley on a chief cheaper deal for four years even if he burns out after the first five years of his deal the titans need elite play right now and they could potentially win a super bowl that's what we're talking about this win now window that's why you go trade for julio jones the conversation is full circle but with caleb farley admittedly i'm lukewarm guys not only in professional sports but in your personal life how many people do you know who used to have back issues right nobody you know you, you, those don't go away. Back problems don't go away. It's how you manage them. So can Caleb Farley play elite football at some point in time on his rookie contract so that the deal is worth it? I don't know, but the Titans feel confident about it. It worked out when they took that risk with Jeffrey Simmons. All I know is you don't get a guy as talented as Caleb Farley at pick 22 in the NFL draft. So the Titans are in win-now mode. Might as well take a few risks and, and see if you can hit a few home runs. Tyler, that's
1: fantastic stuff. I uh, really appreciate you joining the show. Uh, would love to have you back on Peacock and Williamson sometime soon. I, I want to finish this up just with one quick one. and, and uh, mm-hmm. It can be a short answer. It can be a one-word answer. It can be a, a long answer. Do you think the Titans overtook the Colts? Do you think they were already ready to win the division? You have to pick right now on June 14th, the division winner <laughs> right now. Who is it? And It's probably yeah. not the Jaguars or the Texans, I would assume.
0: No, no, probably not. No better time to to pick winners. As I told Ross when we did the uh, – the Ross Jackson from uh, Locked on Saints when we did the early regular season predictions, I, I don't mind uh, uh, doing it now. I don't like all these measured takes. Oh, we should wait. Let things play out. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. No, <laughs> nah, let's so give fun. our opinions right now. Let's throw them out there. But um, besides that, want to thank you guys so much for having me on. Obviously, no, Matt. Fine. Been following your work, and you know, as as a guy who does a lot of scouting, it's I've learned a lot. So thank you so much, Brian. You've been a, a staple here for quite some time. So thank you guys for a great show. I love advertising it every day because I know I'm going to be able to pass my audience off to guys who really know what they're talking about. But in my opinion, even pre Julio Jones trade, the Titans were set up to win the division over the Colts. Now I had the Titans at ten and seven, so I didn't think they were going to be gangbusters, and I figured the Colts would be right there, ten and seven, uh, nine and eight right there with the Titans like they were last year but I think this trade of Julio Jones puts them a little bit higher than that makes me feel more comfortable with the Titans winning the division but here's what it comes down to the Titans are something I can bank on that offense I know what I'm gonna get although we could talk flowery about Frank Reich and what he can do for quarterbacks which is rightfully so he's a great coach every quarterback he's ever worked with has gotten better so you can't rule that out and I've been preaching you know, stay calm here, Titans fans. Don't try to dunk on Carson Wentz. He could revive himself, but the reality is Carson Wentz with the Colts is an unknown. They lost Anthony Constanzo at, at left tackle. So with the unknown of the Colts offense and Carson Wentz right now, I felt it was only logical and only comfortable to say that the Titans were still the favorites in the division and the Julio Jones trade to me just cements that fact.
1: That is Tyler Rowland. You can find him on Twitter at Titans, And, of course, find the Locked On Titans podcast every day in the same place you found this podcast. Tyler, thank you so much, man.
0: Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. Have a great day.
2: Yeah, this is great.
1: Matt and I will be back tomorrow, as we do with our Twitter Tuesday episode. Tag us with your questions or any topics you'd like us to cover at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Talk to you then right here, Peacock and Williamson.